Tonight you're in for an absolute treat. Uh, our speaker is a philosopher, he's a writer, he's a comedian. Um, he founded uh, Stand Up Philosophers. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Charlie Duncan Safray. Hello, 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 hello. Yes, 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 hello. Um, hi, it's, uh, hello Oxford Skeptics, it's lovely to be here. Um, are you, are you alright? Good, right, um, so yes, uh, my, my name is Charlie, I am uh, a philosopher. Um, it's kind of weird when I introduce people to... Uh, d- Hello people at the back, are you, are you there? Hello, you in? Hi, hi, you, are you alright? Shh! <laughs> Thank you, right, um, so yes, um, so when I introduce myself to people as a philosopher, uh, it's kind of probably not... It's probably not the same in Oxford as it is in other places. Uh, most of the time, people introduce me to a philosopher, and people kind of look at me and go, eh, it's not even a proper beard, is it? And, uh, and to that I reply, ah, but what is a beard? And then they believe me. So, so it's fine. Anyway, yes. Um, what I tend to do, though, is a kind of a weird thing, uh, which is called stand-up philosophy. I, I run a, a show down in London called Stand-Up Philosophy, and one that is, is there are jokes, and, and there will be some jokes in this, hopefully, um, but there's also going to be quite a lot of serious points. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to trust you all as intelligent people to be able to tell the difference, because uh, if you can't, you probably shouldn't go to funerals anymore. And, uh, uh, <laughs> but, no, so basically what this means is if I say things and you think, oh, that's not funny, it means it's really clever. So, and you can just kind of, yeah, you can just enjoy that. Anyway, right, so, um, what I'm going to be talking about this evening is... Uh, is the relationship between philosophy and science. And the relationship between philosophy and science is, is an interesting one, uh, and one which has become, I think, unnecessarily fraught in recent years. Um, now, I've got, I've got a PowerPoint, but before I even really like talk very much about this, I should point out that I really hate PowerPoint. It's the worst thing in the entire world. Give me a cheer if you hate PowerPoint. <laughs> Right, because the thing about PowerPoint is the number of times you see people giving PowerPoint presentations and they just do the whole thing like this. Uh, so I'm going to try not to look at what the screen says. So if at any point I'm saying something completely different from what the screen says, then you can just shout that out of me uh, and I will carry on. Now, um, so, uh, the philosophy in this is going to be pretty basic. Um, but just, just by a quick cheer, can you give me a cheer if there's any philosophers in the room? <laughs> All right, good. No, that's that's and and, and we've met, so that's <laughs> all right. Uh, give me a cheer, uh, scientists in the room, people with a science background. Whee! All right, fuck. Okay, here we go. Right, so uh, so this is going to be uh, this is going to be fun. Um, so I I I love science, but we'll come on to that later on. Um, uh, but the philosophy is going to be basic, and I'm not a scientist. So people who know more about science than me, which is most people in this room, when it gets to the question and answer session, please feel free to correct me. The great thing about science is that is that like is not knowing everything, and then you learn things, and that's brilliant. And also, that's the great thing about philosophy as well. Uh, so we can all be friends. So I'm open to being corrected at that point. Um, but. Uh, so the science is going to be probably pretty basic. Uh, the philosophy is also going to be pretty basic um, for the philosophers. So we can just assume that this is all going to be totally below your level. Um, but at least I'm going to say at least one thing that's going to get somebody angry. So, um, all right. So there's a number of positions, I think, on the relationship between philosophy and science. And those positions are uh, as follows, if this will work. Um, 
There we go. So, position number one. I do. I mean, the text in this slide is very small. This is one of the reasons I hate PowerPoint. But this is the only slide with text this small. I promise. All the others, it's way too big. So, uh, so one position is that science and philosophy are both great. They're all equally valid. Uh, uh, they're valid ways of getting to truth because ultimately uh, there is no need for any kind of truth to take precedence. That's a kind of a relativist view. It's not one that I personally share, and probably a lot of people in the room might not agree with that kind of relativist view either. And that lady shaking her head. That, good, good, madam. Um, uh, there's another point of view uh, that science and philosophy are both wrong because truth doesn't exist. Just an outright nihilist position that says you cannot know any kind of truth ever. Uh, give up. Let's stop doing science. Let's stop doing philosophy and just, you know, sit in bed eating cake and masturbating. Whatever it is you like to do, just like that kind of uh, thing uh, you, can, you, can, you can do because nothing matters. Uh, and I don't share that position either. Um, there is another position which some people might think that a lot of philosophers take, which is that philosophy is awesome and science is bad. Now, I search everywhere to try and find a single philosopher or anyone who actually has this position. There are hardly any philosophers who take this position. Pretty much all philosophers are at the very least open to the idea of scientific inquiry being useful. Uh, or at the very least, I couldn't find any philosophers who think that science is bad. The closest I got, I think, was... Where's my... Um, was my thing. I think it was uh, not Rousseau. Uh, there was uh, it's someone who wasn't even a proper philosopher. Um, it was uh, uh, I can't. Yeah, Donald Trump. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't count. Um, but yeah, so, so, so hardly any philosophers think this, although there is a view amongst some scientists that, that philosophers think science is bad, and it's, it's, it's a misconception. Um, another view is this view, uh, which is that science is awesome and philosophy is either obsolete or pointless. There may be some people in this room who take this position. Uh, it's the recent position that Stephen Hawking has given. Uh, he said recently that philosophers have not kept up with science and their art is dead. Uh, just, just a quick cheer, just out of curiosity. Is there anyone in the room who would take that position? Oh, so, ah, and the lady shaking her head over there. All right. So yeah, I, basically, this whole thing is going to be to you, madam. Um, so, uh, yeah. So some people might think that. Some people are not quite sure. Other positions are this. Science and philosophy are both awesome. But science is superior. Uh, the role of philosophy is maybe to help science by clarifying some kind of basic epistemological and ethical framework. So epistemology, uh, most people in the room know, is theory of knowledge, what can be known, what can't be known. Uh, and John Locke, uh, the philosopher, and also uh, in his, for his time a, a, a scientist as well, um, kind of had this idea of philosophy as being a kind of an underlaborer to science. Philosophy could say what could be known and what couldn't be known, and then scientists could go out and find out everything uh, and learn things. Uh, and, and the job of philosophy was basically just to kind of establish what what could work and what couldn't work in that kind of uh, epistemological framework. But there is another position, uh, which is this. The science and philosophy are both awesome. Uh, and science, as a branch, I think, of evidence-based practical philosophy, should be part of an overall system of thinking which helps in the creation of a meaningful life. And that is the position... Oh, there we go, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, so, right, so you're going to be easy. You're going to be difficult. This is going to be a fun rest for 45 minutes or so. So, um... Uh, okay, There's the, so having established these basic positions, just by a very quick show of hands, um, who would take the first position? Uh, you, sir. Right, what? There's, they're, they're all equally valid ways to just absolute relativism. 
Okay, all right, interesting. Um, uh, but unpopular, apparently. <laughs> so what about the idea that science and philosophy are both wrong, just nihilism? There's two, two hands up, two nihilists in the room. All right, why do you get up in the morning? Uh, what about uh, the third view, that, that philosophy is awesome and science is bad? Does anyone think that science is bad and pointless and, and we should just be doing... No, no one thinks that. Um, what about the idea that, that science is awesome and philosophy is either obsolete or it's just kind of messing about with ideas that don't, don't really matter anymore? Okay, you, madam. Good. Uh, what about uh, this fourth view? Science and philosophy are both awesome, but science is superior. Uh, philosophy can kind of help us understand what can be known and what can't. Then science can... Get... Okay, there we go. A few more hands going up. All right, and this fifth position, uh, gentlemen at the back clapping, um, this kind of view that, that they're both awesome, but that science is kind of a useful part of philosophy in helping us all establish a meaningful life. Some people. All right, so oh, that's good. All right, so we've got about 50-50 on those last two. I'm going to try and persuade some people from this position to go to this position. Um, I don't know how that's going to go. Um, but before we do, um, I should... I'll just check my notes. Um, I should point out that what philosophers do, and a lot of people know this, philosophers very often get obsessed with definitions. I'm not going to spend too much time on definitions because what I'm keen on is getting philosophy and science together as friends uh, and be all happy and like jam on toast. Um, and, uh, and in order to do this, we need to establish essentially what philosophy and what science are. So uh, a definition of science, at least to work with for the next um, little while, is this. Um, we can call science a systematic enterprise that builds and organizes knowledge in the form of testable explanations. Testable is very important. Um, explanations and predictions about nature and the universe. Uh, is, anyone, is, is everyone generally happy with that explanation? Because it did come from Wikipedia. All right, so I mean, this, if you're not happy with that, edit Wikipedia. That's what it's for. Um, and uh, when was anything on Wikipedia ever wrong, huh? So, uh, so philosophy. Uh, the definition on Wikipedia, which I've slightly tweaked, um, because <laughs> Wikipedia's wrong, um, because uh, there are some things. But I think, so philosophy we can define, at least for now, as a way of thinking which asks general and fundamental questions about truth, value, and the meanings of concepts... Uh, and evaluates possible answers using logical reasoning. Now, that logical reasoning is very, very important. Uh, in pretty much every philosophy undergraduate degree, there are compulsory logic units. It's one of the few subjects that you have to know how to use logical reasoning before you are even able to do anything else. It's, it's, the, it's the basics. Philosophers are very, very good at logical reasoning. You may take some issues with my logical reasoning this evening. That's good. That's, that's part of what philosophy is, does. Uh, we take issue with each other's arguments. And we say, oh, no, you're, you've kind of got that bit of logic wrong. And that's fine. But it has to be based on logical reasoning. Um, now, one of the things that philosophy is therefore useful for is, as Mary Midgley pointed out, it's a bit like plumbing of thinking. So uh, are there any plumbers in the room? Give me a cheer. No plumber. Oh, uh, are you a plumber, sir? Uh, Part-time plumber. Oh, good. Oh, right. so, so you... Okay, right. Oh, you've done some plumbing today? All right, round of applause for this man. Because <laughs> there's not enough plumbers. Um, so the good thing about being a plumber, I guess, is, is if, you, um, if you know how to do plumbing, you can, you can kind of uh, you can get called out and you can make quite a lot of money out of plumbing, which is good. Um, but the thing about plumbing is, and this is Mary Midgley's point, she's a philosopher, um, she argued that 
like plumbing, people don't really ever call a plumber until things go wrong. Um, I don't know about anyone else, my toilet is making a terrible noise at the moment, and it has been doing for about six weeks, but I haven't called a plumber. I'm probably not going to call a plumber until my bathroom is full of effluent, right? That's not, like, it's just because you put it off and you put it off and you put it off, and things go wrong. And when things go wrong, that's when you call a plumber, and the plumber knows kind of what's going on underneath the surface. Now, Mary Midgley said that philosophy is a bit like that. Um, what philosophers do is, when things go wrong in people's lives, uh, where they can't make sense of the world, you fall out with a friend, uh, a relationship goes wrong, you find that your country is at war, horrible things go wrong, uh, and at that point, it's usually because something has gone wrong with our thinking and our concepts. We may have got the concept of justice wrong, or we may be working with two different concepts of justice. Um, we might have got the concept of love wrong. Give me a cheer if you ever had a failed relationship. Give me a cheer if that was because you had different expectations from the relationship. Yeah, right. So this is probably because the way you think about what a loving relationship is, is, is different. Um, and that's partly because of the, your concept of love is different. And at that point, um, what Mary Midgley says, and I would be inclined to agree with this, is that philosophers should be called in. And they should say, look, what's your, what's your concept of love here? What are you, what's the concept of love that you're working with? And then philosophers, of course, should then be given lots of money by happy customers for helping people understand their concepts. Except, of course, this doesn't happen. I don't know why, but for some reason, plumbers can get called out for you know, £100 an hour more at weekends. Philosophers, not even at weekends, um, for nothing, uh, so, so, which is kind of annoying. But that's kind of what philosophy does. And what that means is, is that philosophy is kind of working with the basic underlying concepts to help us try and under, understand those concepts um, that we use. Now, what that means is... The job of philosophy, I think, is also to help us understand the basic underlying concepts that science uses. In fact, philosophy as a, as a discipline in logical thinking is what underpins all kind of um, logical, rational endeavours. You need to be doing good philosophy, first of all. And it's not an accident uh, that uh, the natural sciences came out of philosophy. Um, so... A lot of philosophers, myself included, kind of have a picture of the relationship between philosophy and science, which is a bit like this. Uh, who loves Venn diagrams? <laughs> so I love talking to a room full of like, really nerdy science people. Everyone loves Venn diagrams. I love Venn diagrams. Um, so, philosophy is kind of good logical thinking. Everything which is, um, which is based on kind of sound logic is kind of included in philosophy. That is the, uh, the basis of what philosophy is, and it can extend to anything, including philosophy of science, including philosophy of politics, including ethics, and so on. Within that, oh, sorry, yeah, everything outside of that is stupid, right? Uh, now, the origins of science, as we know, are in philosophy. I'm not going to patronise the scientists in the room the way some philosophers do by going, oh, you know, natural science. Science is just a branch of philosophy. Like, you know that that's kind of where, where natural science came from. And, and in some ways, a lot of people think that, that science has kind of outgrown philosophy. And there are some, there are some basis to think that. But um, the natural sciences, according to a lot of philosophers, kind of work within this kind of, uh, within good logical thinking. Now, one of the things I want to argue tonight is that there is a danger, and a terrible, terrible danger, um, of the natural sciences kind of slipping out of this kind of um, good thinking into the realm of stupid. And it happens, and it has happened, uh, with terrible consequences, uh, and, uh, and we'll come on to those later. 
Now, before we go on, I want to say science is great. Like, I'm, I'm a massive fan of science. I think science is wonderful. Uh, I particularly like... <laughs> so, we've probably not got time for me to do my internet dating material. Um, but, um, but there's lots of reasons uh, why science is great. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to let you make that up for yourselves, that little bit. It's, not, it's, not re- it's funny, but it's not really useful for the argument. Um, but science is, science is fantastic. Um, there are lots of reasons why science is fantastic, and the other half of this, this is kind of a two-part show. Maybe at some point you'll invite me back to do the other half in like a year or so, um, because when I was writing this show, I did this for another Skeptics in the Pub uh, a couple of months ago, and while I was writing this, this kind of thing, um, I was talking to a friend of mine, a friend of mine called Bella. Uh, Bella has had a horrible, horrible relationship breakup recently, and I was trying to do some philosophy with her to try and help her understand the concept of love. She didn't appreciate it. But... Um, but um, surprisingly. Um, but um, she's, uh, she's a medical student. Uh, she's, she's very, very much into the idea that science has all the answers. Uh, and she said, well, if you're writing a show about why scientists should listen to philosophers, you should, you, should, like, you should be talking about why philosophers should listen to scientists. And I was like, yes, yes, I, like scientists uh, should have a good dialogue with philosophers. And so, so there's another half of this kind of show that is all about the reasons why philosophers should take more advice, I think, from the methods of natural science. But um, uh, I should say that, that science is great. Now, the reasons that Bella gave, uh, and, uh, um, uh, and Bella is, 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 is a very good friend of mine, I, I love her very much, um, but I'm going to say why she was wrong. Um, the reasons that she gave for why science is great, and I agree with her that science is great, um, the reason she gave that science is great was she said it's got evidence. Philosophy's not got evidence, has it? It's just got people talking in a pub, usually. And who wants to talk in a pub? So they've run out of squirrel, you know. No more squirrel left. Mm. Um, so it's got evidence. Also, she said, and facts. Like, science can establish facts that are unquestionable. She said, once science has established a fact, it's unquestionable. And also, she said, it makes progress. Science is always making progress. You establish facts, and then you build up more and more facts. Now, um, in some ways, uh, I know there's a lot of scientists in the room uh, will kind of go, well, all right, well, these are, not all, these are not all of the reasons why science is great. You're shaking your head, so that's excellent. Um, because um, if you have a, a good understand, a good philosophical Definition, a good philosophical conception of what science is and what it can do, you will realize that there is something wrong with this, which is very common as the public view of science. The public view of science is, is that, is that it, um, uh, it's got evidence and facts and it makes progress. Uh, now, part of, the, part of the problem with this conception of science that a lot of people, um, a lot of members of the public have, and I recognize a lot of scientists recognize this as a flawed, a flawed definition or a flawed argument for why science is great, is that you can't necessarily have unquestionable facts and make progress. Um, because, uh, phlogiston. Who's heard of phlogiston? Hey, there we go, right. So, uh, uh, who's not heard of phlogiston? Give me a cheer. All right, so for those of you who've not heard of phlogiston, phlogiston was a theory um, about why things burned. And this theory, uh, I've, got all the, I've got all the information here, uh, which I can never remember. Um, Johan Becker, it was. Um, Johan Becker argued, in fact, I've got a quote. Um, phlogiston uh, theory was that all substances which burned contained this substance called phlogiston. Uh, and, 
And, and, and uh, according to J.B. Gunnett, who's a, a, a historian of science, um, uh, said in general, um, substances that burned in air were said to be rich in phlogiston. Uh, the fact that combustion soon ceased in an enclosed space was taken as clear-cut evidence that air had the capacity to absorb only a finite amount of phlogiston. Um, when air had become completely phlogisticated... That is my favourite word ever in the history of science! When air had become completely phlogisticated, it would no longer serve to support combustion of any material. Um, breathing was thought to take phlogiston out of the body. Now... Um, that view of why things burned uh, carried on from, I've got the exact facts, uh, from 1667 when Becker uh, first published his research on phlogiston until the 1780s. So for about 100 years, that was a theory which was supported by the evidence that Becker had uh, and, uh, and that was for a while established as a scientific fact about why things burned. Now, of course... Uh, we now know that that is not why things burn. Everyone knows, everyone knows that's not why things burn. Um, when I got to uh, secondary school, I think I learned about oxidation, and even that, no one thinks that that's why things burn anymore either. So science is always making progress, but the problem is, is this, is that for a while, for about 100 years, the, thing, the fact that things burn because they've got phlogiston in them was considered to be a fact. Uh, now, the problem is, is if something is considered to be a fact on Monday, it explains all the evidence. Uh, it's a, you have a hypothesis, um, you test it, uh, the evidence fits the hypothesis, as it did with phlogiston, and then someone comes along with a better hypothesis on Tuesday, then what used to be a fact on Monday was not a fact anymore. And then by Wednesday, what was a fact on Tuesday isn't a fact. And by weekend, like the things that was, the, what everyone thought on Monday was a fact is no longer considered to be a fact. Now, what that means is, Science can't have, and I know a lot of scientists in the room already recognise this, science can't have both facts and progress. Uh, science can have the best possible explanation at the time in order to carry on making progress, but it can't have facts. Uh, just, just by a quick show of hands, who would rather science has facts? Who would rather science makes progress? Uh, are they not alternatives? Um, okay, now, so w when we get to the question and answer, I will ask you why, what, what it is to do with your conception of what is meant by progress and, and your conception of facts that make them not alternatives. I, I would suggest that the, the definition of a fact is one which is true at all times and all places, or at the very least is not subjective. Um, but you know, but we, can, we can discuss that in the Q&A. Right, um, so science gives us progress and most people are happy with that. Uh, now, what that means is, is that um, uh, science can, can form the basis of technology, and everyone loves technology. Uh, who loves technology? Yeah. Um, still not going to do my internet dating material. Um, but uh, technology is... Uh, yeah, I, the, all the usernames are used up. All the internet dating usernames are used up, right? Who's, who's ever done internet dating? Right? Some people, right? The usernames are all used up. All the good ones, they're all used up. On every internet dating website, they're all used up. That's my problem. Um, <laughs> literary characters. I want to be a literary character. Uh, but uh, they're all used up. Apart from Humbert Humbert. <laughs> which I didn't go for. For obvious reasons. Uh, the Little Prince. He's another favourite literary character of mine. I didn't go for that one either. Anyway, sorry, you're shaking your head. Do I, do, you, you know, you know who Humber Humber is. 
That's, um, right, it doesn't matter. That's for, that's for, uh, that's for, sorry, that's for literary criticism in the pub. Um, right, uh, anyway, so, so technology is, uh, is a, is in some ways a, a kind of a byproduct of, of good science. Um, it's the, technology and science are not the same thing, but science forms the basis for technology. And technology impacts on our lives in all kinds of different ways. We have computers, we have internet dating, and, and uh, however bad that is. Um, but it, but it also has many, many good things as well. I love the, this crazy iPad thing, even though I haven't actually looked at it at all. There's all kinds of problems with, te- with technology. Um, uh, I probably don't need to list them. Uh, I could, there's lots of funny examples of, of where technology has gone wrong, and it's usually to do with um, science um, needing to make a little bit more progress in understanding why a certain machine hasn't worked uh, or why a certain process hasn't worked. But I'm not a scientist and I'm not going to pretend to be able to explain that. Um, yeah, I'm going to skip over that. Um, right, so... Technology is good except when it isn't, um, as we know. Now, what that brings us on to is the question of uh, ethics uh, and the ways in which science and technology can improve our lives uh, and the ways that it shouldn't. Now, famously, um, uh, there is, I mean, at least amongst uh, the philosophers that I talk to, um, there is what I like to call uh, the Jurassic Park problem. Now, I'm talking about the film Jurassic Park not the film Jurassic World, uh, which if anyone has seen the film Jurassic World, I've heard is terrible. Has anyone seen the, the new? No one, do, do some people have seen it. Is it any good? It's, 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 be, it's better than the other two sequels. Well, no, that's that progress. <laughs> Filmmaking has made progress. I don't know. Um, so, but the, the traditional conception of the Jurassic Park problem is this. This is the best bit of Jurassic Park. It's got Jeff Goldblum in it. Uh, now, uh, in Jurassic Park, obviously, uh, Dickie Attenborough here had created, uh, using uh, incredible scientific methods, a park full of dinosaurs. Uh, now, uh, he considered that to be an incredible, an incredible leap in scientific progress. Uh, the fact that they had learned... How, I mean, this is a hypothetical question, obviously, unless anyone here is working on bringing back dinosaurs, which you really shouldn't do. Uh, I've seen this film. It doesn't end well. Um, and so Richard Ambrose says, uh, there's a problem. All the dinosaurs get let loose, and they're killing people, and it's a bit messy. Um, and then there's an argument, and Richard Ambrose says, uh, he says, I don't think you're giving us due credit. Our scientists have done things which nobody's ever done before. Uh, and, of course, Jeff Goldblum, who is super cool says, yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could that they didn't stop to think about whether they should. Now, this is one of the reasons, as well as the reason that I gave before to do with um, uh, a conception of science and progress. I think scientists need to have a good conception of what, what uh, progress means and also what facts mean and also what knowledge means. Um, there's also this. There's a reason why, why scientists should be aware of what philosophers have to say is that philosophers who do ethics, are able to talk about what science should or shouldn't do. Now, a lot of scientists hate that. Um, but it's quite important because... Um, so, I mean, there's, there's, there are questions at the moment to do with things like stem cell research and, uh, and the extent to which we should do stem cell research on different things, to which ethical philosophers mostly go, yes, of course you should do stem cell research because it's going to be good. Um, but, there, but it's worth having a philosophical debate about 
the ethical rights and wrongs of it. Now, in the case of Jurassic Park, it was pretty obvious that it was a bad idea uh, to, uh, to recreate... Oh, 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 yeah, there we go. Um, so, so some people are kind of saying, ah, oh, right, so it's, it wasn't a bad idea to, to bring back dinosaurs. Possibly creating an open theme park full of them, but the, the concept... I mean, so, so, but at the very least, we could establish that at least before the, uh, the hypothetical imaginary scientists in Jurassic Park decided to go around bringing back dinosaurs, at least they should have had a conversation about whether or not it was a good idea. Uh, now, the reason that often science doesn't do that is because science does not have any, in, in, in itself, in the, in the framework of what science is and what science does, and this, is, I think, is one of the great things about science, it doesn't have any ethical values apart from no more stuff. And that is the great thing about science. The ethical value of science um, is learn more stuff, find out more about the world, do more research, um, carry out more experiments, uh, observe more things, get more data, come up with hypotheses, come up with better hypotheses, come up with hypotheses that explain the data better. And that is really, really good, and that's why science is good. I'm seeing some people stroking their chins already. But what scientists don't necessarily do is stop to think about whether learning more things would be a good idea. Uh, oh, now, okay, no, 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 often they do. And I'm, I'm, I'm aware that, that often, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that most of the scientists in this room uh, do do that. Most of us here, I would say, probably have a kind of a pretty good idea of what's right and wrong and, and have a kind of an ethical compass. But in that, they're doing philosophy and they're not doing science. Um, science, ooh, there's a hiss. Um, <laughs> science, it's going to get worse. Um, science... Um, as far as, as far as I think most, at the very least, most philosophers would understand science, is that it's value neutral. And that is a great thing about science, um, is that science is, is a tool which learns more about the world and which helps us to understand the natural world better. What science doesn't do is metaphysics. Science is very good at understanding the physical world, and that's what's great about it. But metaphysical questions about right and wrong are... Questions that scientists generally, if they, I mean, I'm not saying that scientists don't consider these questions. Obviously, scientists consider these questions. Everyone in the room is a scientist, considers questions about right and wrong. But insofar as they do that, they're doing ethics and philosophy rather than science. Now, um, the fact that good science is value neutral, like I say, is what's great about it. But what that means is that science is a tool. And science is a, is a, is a tool of its uh, value system that it exists in. Now, we're all aware... Of, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, like, I'm, I've toned this down. When I did this at a previous talk, I talked about like, the, the scientists who worked uh, in Germany, under Hitler and so on. I'm not going to do that bit, because that was very unpopular, um, for the obvious reasons. And also, I didn't really, I didn't really think it. I think, um, I think it was just kind of me being provocative, uh, which you know, I, th- I don't think I need to be more provocative than I already have been with this room. Um, but... Uh, but it's important to bear in mind that the values of a society are what lead to the kind of scientific research that is done. Now, sometimes that means we have a society with values which will attempt to uh, cure AIDS or cure cancer or, or, or the things that science can do, um, which I think are good things for science to do. Um, sometimes it means that we're creating nerve gas and atomic bombs and, uh, and things like that. Now, these are... 
products of the value systems of their society. And these are the, the ways which philosophy affects the kind of scientific research that happens. And it's worth scientists being able to, to think ethically. And I mean, in some ways, this is an obvious point, that scientists should think ethically, but they don't always, and that's why we have nerve gas and atomic weapons. Um, and it would be very difficult for anyone to argue that those things don't exist because there, there have been scientists who have done research based on value systems of societies which most of us in this room would not agree with. Now, um, what that means is we need to have an idea of, uh, and this is, I, I do know how many uh, non philosophers in the room are, idea, uh, are aware of this word, teleology. Um, teleology is, is uh, obviously comes from ancient Greek. It is to do with meaning and purpose. Uh, the telos of something is its meaning or its purpose. Uh, and arguably, what we ought to do, as uh, or people like me as philosophers, ought to be trying to talk about what the meaning and the purpose and the value of the society that we live in is. Uh, and if we're not doing that, then I think we're not doing our job. Now, currently, I'm not entirely happy with the way uh, that society is going. The currently... Uh, the present government, I'm not going to get political, um, but the present government, I think, have an idea of the purpose of society, which I and many other philosophers and possibly some other people in this room would not share. Now, that is an argument for philosophers to make, that we should have a different idea of the goal of society. We should have a different idea of the purpose of society. Vote Jeremy Corbyn. So, um, <laughs> it's not too late. Um, sorry. Uh, no, but, um, but <laughs> we're not going there. But, but the telos of society, the goal and the purpose of society is what informs everything that happens in that society, including the kind of scientific research that gets done. And it's worth scientists being aware when they're thinking about what research they should or shouldn't be doing um, uh, of teleology. Now, um, this comes down to a more fundamental question to do with what science can do and what philosophy can do. Uh, when I spoke to my friend Bella recently after her recent breakup, uh, she <laughs> quoted Moby. Um, she didn't know she was doing it, but she did. She, uh, she said, like why, like, why does it hurt so much? She said, like why, why, like, you know, why does this breakup hurt so much? And like, why, does, why, does my <laughs> she said, why does my heart feel this way? Uh, and I could have said to her, ah, well, I mean, that's because in the break of a relationship, uh, the, uh, the levels of, um, uh, what is it? That you, what's the chemical that you have in your brain when you're in love? Endor- you've got levels of endorphins that are dropping and the stress is probably putting pressure on your, uh, on your system and that's putting pressure on your heart and that makes your chest feel bad. If I'd said that to her, she probably would have punched me. <laughs> and quite rightfully, because that wasn't the question she was asking. You know, if, if, if someone asks, if a child asks, why is the, uh, why is the grass green? I could say chlorophyll. Um, but that's not the question they're asking. They're not asking, how is the grass green? They're asking for some kind of meaning or purpose to it. Now, of course, a lot of things don't have that meaning or purpose. But we can, I think, establish that um, in terms of ethical values and in terms of the values of society, we can have meaning and purpose in our lives. Um, I don't know if people would disagree with that. Perhaps you, sir, or there were a couple of nihilists at the back who might think we have no meaning or purpose in our lives. But 
I think if we can establish meaning and purpose in our lives and meaning and purpose to the society, then we're asking why questions. We're not asking how questions. The questions that, that I think science attempts to answer are how questions. How does this work? Um, uh, and when scientists kind of try to answer the question, like why is the grass green, why is the sky blue, all the kinds of questions, why, does, uh, why do planets fly away from each other, why does the solar system work this way, Brilliant questions. Like I say, I'm not a scientist, but brilliant questions. But they're how questions. They're not why questions. I think why questions, teleological questions, questions about purpose and meaning, are for philosophy. They are philosophical questions. And in order for science, which is neutral, value neutral, apart from find out more stuff, which is a brilliant value, apart from find out more stuff, it's very useful um, for science to bear that in mind. Now. Um, what that means is that sometimes things go wrong. Theodore Adorno, um, who was a philosopher of sorts, um, said, uh, no, there's no universal history that leads from savagery to humanitarianism. But there is one which leads from the slingshot to the megaton bomb. Now, the point that he's making there is, unless philosophers and unless um, people who are doing ethics and political philosophy uh, and trying to figure out how to make us better, how to make our lives better, how to make us understand concepts like justice better and love better and, uh, and try to help us interact with people better, are listened to, particularly by scientists, then what you get is um, a history which leads uh, not from savagery to humanitarianism, but from the slingshots and the megaton bomb. Uh, and megaton bomb, you know, I, mean, I don't know what he means by megaton bomb. I'm assuming, because, you know, atomic bombs don't weigh a megaton. I'm not an expert. But anyway, we, you get the idea. A megaton of TNT. That may, oh, that may well be what he meant. Uh, okay. Either, either way, I would imagine most people in this room, unless there are people in this room who are working on bombs, um, <laughs> in which case, fuck you. Um, <laughs> Sorry for my language, but, you know, uh, then, you know, uh, then it's worth philosophy and ethical thinking uh, and good social thinking being listened to. Um, now, what that means is this, just to, just to kind of bring this to a conclusion. We've got this whole world stupid out there. Um, and this is, again, simplistic philosophy, but um, good logical thinking, I think... If you do good logical thinking, you're not just doing good logical thinking. As part of that, you're trying to establish, uh, and there's a circle within that, which we can call ethics, guidelines for a meaningful ethical life. Now, the goal, and I mean, I don't think I, I need to persuade many people here that these should be in there. And I also don't think I need to persuade many people here that sometimes they've been out here. That's why there is a universal history that leads from the slingshot to the megaton bomb. Stuff going on out there. Whoa, we will take questions in a second, sir. Um, uh, and you're going to be first. Don't worry. <laughs> um, uh, the goal, I think, um, of getting scientists to listen to philosophers, um, or at the very least, to consider ethical questions, which, I, again, maybe I don't need to persuade that many people in here that, that they should do that, um, is to get that circle inside that circle. Uh, and if we do that, the world is going to be wonderful. Um, that's, the, that's the idea. Um, so, in order to do that, just to conclude, what we need is um, logical thinking, um, which leads us to ethical uh, and meaningful 
ways of living. Uh, and that means kind of trying to, trying to th- think from a basic level, why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we living the lives that we're living? What is the purpose of it? What is the point of life? And that's a philosophical question. Um, it's not a question of how does, it's not a question of like, where does the universe come from? Science can answer that. Science has got some brilliant answers for where does the universe come from. It doesn't have answers to why is the universe. Um, and, uh, or, and not even why is the universe, why is me? What is the meaning of me? Why am I standing here in front of a room full of people in Oxford um, when what I really want is to drink this beer? Um, like, uh, but um, <laughs> I will. Um, we've got an interval coming up. The beer's coming. Um, they've run out of squirrel. Um, but uh, yes, so if we can get logical thinking, then we can understand the meaning of our lives. If we can understand the meaning of our lives, then we can have ethical lives, I think. If we can have ethical lives, then we can know why we're doing scientific inquiry. and We can understand why it's worth understanding the world better. Um, and if we have science, then we can have technology. If we have technology, then maybe we can have progress. But not without these things at the top. And that's my argument. Thank you very much.